All right, welcome to the OVNI interviews where your hosts, Eric Bork and Mikey Taylor. And Mikey's not here again this week. He's raising money right now. So because he's raising money, his his schedule's very uh, unpredictable. So because of that, we decided that every month at the first Wednesday, when we come out with our podcast, the first Wednesday of the month, me and Mikey will pick a topic and discuss the topic um, that we feel provides the most value and also is current. Uh, for for this week, we're interviewing Eric and Ryan, the founders of Forthright uh, Modern Mid-Century Modern Furniture Restoration. Very interesting story on how they grew their e-commerce business. Um, before we jump in, as always, we're going to plug our SMDA Social Media Digital Agency program. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, we are the, we are continually getting testimonials from our clients, from our students. Excuse me, our students saying, uh, "I was making five hundred before I signed up. I'm now making uh, on schedule to do ten grand a month." And it's really exciting to see our different students go out and get different positions that they are thriving in. Um, one of our students just got an awesome gig. I'm not going to go into detail on it, but went from living at home, moved out. And now is doing what he wants, working for a company that's in our industry, and that I believe that was much attributed towards be, being a member of the academy. Shout out to Anthony, and also let's get started. Let's jump in here. Let's talk about e-commerce today. We are with Eric Rials and Justin Montessori. I probably butchered their names. I apologize, but I wanted to. I rarely redo this, but I read. I'm redoing the intro right now because. I accidentally said they were the founders of their old company, and I want to make sure I get their new company correct. It's called Forthright uh, NYC is the Instagram handle, and uh, we're going to jump into their story now and talk about how they turned e-commerce Google ads into a half a million dollar a year business that they're going to do this year. Let's jump in with Eric and, and Justin right now. They basically do mid-century modern restoring fur restoring furniture now when i first heard that i was like that's so like like interesting a, a furniture restoration company then they showed me who they were selling to a lot of um a lot of a lot of skateboarders um a lot of high-end real estate and what infatuated me the most about their story is that they placed a google ad of 500 dollars, and with that we're doing, we're, you know, got their business to, it was the first year, 150 K, uh, the second year, which was last year, 350 K. And this year they're on, on path to probably do 600 K. So very interesting what you guys are doing. So, uh, let's jump right in guys. How are you guys doing? We're good, man. How are, you? How are you? Dude, I'm doing super good. Um, okay. So let's start with how we'll get into your stories, but really quick, how did this business get started? Um, Justin and I started hanging out through a mutual friend and he was working at a bank. I was selling cars, both kind of weren't thrilled with what we were doing. And my dad was buying antiques, mid-century modern furniture and turning around and selling it on eBay. My dad is a baby boomer and he's not very good in the computer. So he actually hired Justin to, I think it was like $10 an ad. So he, Justin would come by and make 15 ads, get $150. And what started to happen was 
the ads that he would make for mid-century modern were perfect. His pictures were on point, his descriptions, and he would sell the shit out of it. And all the other pieces wouldn't really do well. And that's kind of how he originally found the niche. Um, okay. He started an Etsy store. Yeah. So, I mean, I was selling just everything for Eric's dad on eBay just to make some extra money. And um, one of the main things I was selling was mid-century modern, and I just happened to really like it style of the furniture i was just drawn to it so i was just like you know i'm gonna make my own store on etsy and call it ct modern so i could only sell mid-century modern stuff okay got it so i've taken all larry's stuff and selling it on there and then started buying for myself and that's just where ct modern awesome and and your guys background you guys um you guys both are former or still skateboarders right not myself Okay. I am. I, I've been skateboarding forever. That's, that's and, and also, I have to mention that um, Eric and Justin are members of our Mindshare Collective, which is our goals group. We started at the beginning of the year, and it's been really cool to see the different people that we've networked with and talked to that own businesses that are doing their own thing. So it's been really cool to stay in touch um, with people as they, as they work on their businesses. Um, okay, so let, let's jump in. Tell us about your guys' backgrounds and, and kind of where entrepreneurship came and maybe both kind of give us a brief rundown. Uh, so I didn't really, I always would tell Justin that I wasn't an entrepreneur and I was more of a business person, but I learned sales. I always had a job. I In high in, uh, college, I worked at a motorcycle shop selling motorcycles. From there, I went to a little furniture shop and sold furniture. And then from there, I ended up at like a larger Jeep dealership uh, for four years, which I just learned like how to talk to people and sell myself and sell a product. Um, and then from there, decided that I wasn't happy and that I didn't want to commit 56, 60 hours a week for somebody else and uh, became an entrepreneur from there. Awesome. And you, Justin, what was your, what was your background in entrepreneurship? So just give you a quick rundown of my story. Um, so when I was seven, I got taken away from my biological parents. Um, I was a, they were a drug addict, so I was taken away from them, put into like you know a kid's home until I was put into foster care. Eventually, adopted. Um, just things with my adopted parents didn't work out, so you know, failed out of college. They kicked me out over I don't know what. We just really weren't seeing eye to eye on anything. Um, so moved to California for two years, lived in Oakland with my friends, just skating, working to get by, ended up moving back home. That's when Eric and I started hanging out and I started just selling stuff on eBay. Um, just, I always knew that, you know, like I wasn't really cut out for like a normal job, I would say, you yeah. know? And then so you originally always thought you were going to own a skate shop. Yeah, always. You know, as a skateboarder, you always think like, oh, I'll start like a clothing brand or open up a yep. shop. Like always had that. Like that was the main goal in the beginning. And then just found mid-century modern and it just happened. You know, I started, I made the Etsy store and then it turned into this. I knew how to make WordPress websites. So I, you know, I had a vision for what CT Modern was once we started the restoration stuff and having the background in WordPress, you know, allowed me to make that website just with the white backdrop and an iPhone pretty much. And I was able to get a little bit of content for that site to present it the way it needed to be for the Google ad. 
And how did you learn uh, WordPress? You just taught yourself? I just taught myself, yeah, like lynda.com and stuff. Okay. Yeah, so just doing that and, you know, not having, like, parents or anybody to tell me, like, oh, like, you need to go to school or you need to go get a real job or something, you know, it's just kind of, this is what I want to do, this is what I like, I'm just going to go for it. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, it's, it's isn't it funny how, as, as uh, anybody who grew up skateboarding, and it's not just skateboarders. A lot of the, it's happening with a lot of creatives. Um, our generation, um, it, it, it was almost like we wanted to do our th our own thing. But back then, it was like you. It was very difficult to pull it. And with e-commerce and everything, it's it's crazy how infatuated the you know new generation is with being able to do e-commerce like what you guys are doing. It's it's just the new way. And it's almost like our generation was poised to jump in as soon as that as soon as that became an actual opportunity because we'd spent all of our time like learning WordPress and learning how to create content. Um, one thing I've noticed is you guys create some really cool content. I always like to give the listeners somewhere to go to check out your stuff. So let's we do this at the end. We'll plug everything. But for now. Anybody listening, if you want to check out their their mid-century modern furniture, let's let's call out your Instagram handle so anyone can see right now how cool it is. What's the Instagram handle? So it's forthright NYC. F-O-R-T-H-R-I-G-H-T-N-Y-C. Check it out, you guys. It's really cool. Um, really into what you guys are doing. So, and and let's stop for a second, really quickly. Just give a rundown of the company. Tell us about forthright. What it is what you guys do and, and kind of what the company is for anybody that hasn't uh, gotten a, a, a grasp of it so far. Okay. So this started all CT modern started just as an Etsy store. I was buying and selling mid-century modern stuff. So then we started restoring it and you know, we've grown a small following and we decided to rebrand and that's where fourth right came about, you know, um, just, you got more into making better content, you know. And the process of so, where do you where do you get most of your your chairs? So, so you guys obviously know where. It's not we're not selling right now. Forthright is going to sell, but we restore furniture. So another reason, big reason why we rebranded was all of our clients come from New York City. Like my Google ad targets Manhattan and Brooklyn. Okay. So all of our clients. So like if you had a mid-century modern, like if you had an Eames lounge chair and you're looking to restore it, you type in Eames lounge chair reupholstery NYC. And then forthright Google ad comes up, you click it, fill out the quote request and we schedule a pickup and we restore your chair. Perfect. Okay. And that first ad that you placed for mid-century modern, you said you spent $500 a month on a Google ad, right? Which was paper. Like, the first one was like $20. Okay. Like so I tell made, us about that process and how that worked for you. I mean, I made the site. I like went on Windows, looking at Google AdWords, trying to figure it out. And I was just like, all right, put twenty dollars in. Just like at my girlfriend's house, sitting on the couch, and a quote request comes through. I'm like, oh shit! Like this actually works. Like, yeah. It's for a Papa Bear chair, which is like you know a ten to twenty thousand dollar chair, depending on who's selling it. And close that job, and I was like, oh man. Like, Okay, so that that job, how much did you get paid for that job? That that first kind of job there. 
I'd say that job was probably a $2,500 invoice. Um, back then, we were picking up and delivering everything. So we went and picked it up, and it came from Rhode Island. Outsourced the work for 500 Okay. Um, we didn't have an LLC at that point. so just Love it. This is the entrepreneur stuff I love right here. Yeah. Okay. So you went, a light bulb goes off. Aha. I just made 2,500 bucks. Uh, yeah. outs well, outsourced 500 of it, picked yeah. the chair up, did the labor. And then from there, and that was off of how much of an ad spend? It could have been more than 20. Okay. So you spent about 20 bucks. I had no money at that point. It was just like, let me try this. It was definitely no more than 50, but I won't say 20. Okay. And then from there, what, what was the next step? Was it up the ads or where, where did you go from that for after the light bulb goes off? Um, it just maybe upped it to like a hundred. Eric was still selling cards at that point. So all it had to do was support me. So, um, you know, just kept it at that quote request still came in. Um, and just paid my bills off that Google ad. There's, and then from there, there was a uh, retail space in the center of our town in Brantford. Okay. I was just like, really want to get a retail space. I don't know why. Like, we don't really, we're not like really trying to sell or anything too hard, but just went for it. I, our friend's mom is a real estate agent. So I contacted her. I was like, hey, do you think it's worth it to like call the owner of this place and see if uh, they'll let us do a pop up shop there just so we can see how it does? Like, I'll just go, you know, source a bunch of stuff on like Craigslist and, try and sell it in there and that was that was in connecticut yeah 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 that's in our hometown okay so that's that's a totally different story from looking for space like out here in california or in new york like what your i i imagine your rent on that was pretty low yeah thousand dollars okay so that, square feet thousand bucks for retail that's yeah California, it's that's not possible. It's so much yeah, work. No, I know. Straight in this, it's right in the center of town, you know, yeah. and it was just a cool thing to have because like our town just really hasn't seen anything like that. So we did that. Um, and, and then, so that first year, tell us about the business growth that first year, just up the ad spend, kept doing, kept doing restorations. Yeah. Just kept doing it. We were in there. That's the year we did around like 150. Yeah. I was going to say, we really, we maybe sold like maybe in twelve months six or seven thousand dollars out of yeah. that store. But okay. the main thing that it pretty much gave us a it gave us an office, it gave us a place to go every day. But we didn't really go there every we day. It just became a storage locker. Yeah. You know what I mean, the, the yeah. way we were outsourcing and just only working with people from New York, like people from our town don't really walk into a store and buy a chair for five grand. So yeah, a couple times there, which was awesome, but it didn't happen often. No. Yeah. So important thing that came from having that space was a woman ended up walking by and saying, seeing the store, seeing the pieces that were in there, and she was just shocked that this place existed in Little Cranford, Connecticut, and it snowballed from her. She worked for the New York Times, was going to write a small little story about a cool place off the beaten path to get a gift. And that turned into, uh, when we were 24 years old, an article in the New York Times about having good taste, which really like put us on the map for like me as a project manager, trying to talk to people and tell them who we are and what we do. That yeah. of being in the New York Times was just so much easier to close and it gave people confidence that we knew what we were doing and we were the right people to work with. So 
from upping the Google ad and just having the New York Times behind us saying that, you know, these kids have good taste and they know what they're doing really opened up a lot more doors for us, which was bittersweet because in a way it brought clients that we weren't really ready for. And then we screwed up a bunch of jobs and you know, caused a bunch of messes trying to right our wrongs and spent too much money trying to clean up messes. So a lot of, uh, a large learning curve from getting clients almost like that were too big for us at the time. So tell it what, what's a lesson there? What, what's, what's one lesson there on a mistake made in the early part of the business um, that you would share with other entrepreneurs? I would say that chances are you're only going to get one shot. So if you're not 100% sure that you are ready to handle the workload or the client or whatever the task is at hand, get your ducks in a row, prep hard because once you ruin a relationship or somebody loses confidence in you or early on, when you're actually ready to do the job correctly, it's going to be so much more difficult to get that person. Yeah. Awesome. And okay. So uh, thank you. And then, so the, after that first year, um, you did 150, what did you do to scale it up to 350 the next year? Was that's, it just increase the ad spend? I mean, yeah, that's when we raised the ad to 500 a month. And, and you just mentioned that it was hard to, to fulfill. So how did you guys prepare to fulfill? Did you bring, did you up your staff? How did that go? No, um, it pretty much stayed just the two of us. Um, but really it was, it was about two clients that had a ton of workload with really high expectations. And we ended up opening, we went from that small store when that closed, we ended up going down the road and getting a 4,000 square foot building. And this company that's been in business for 50 some odd years started to work with us and was prototyping a piece that we were going to handle uh, the production for. And we didn't want this person to know that we were outsourcing our work at that time. So we got this building and almost set up like a pseudo upholstery shop. And before we know it, we had actually hired a real upholster, bought sewing machines, tables. And we really, in like a matter of two months, built out a full blown upholstery shop. But Justin and I at that point didn't really know how to manage uh, employees at that time. And yeah. One of the main problems was with taking on a lot of workload is we were too nice in the beginning and this guy was twice our age and pretty much he just walked all over us and took advantage and it came to a point where we had to fire him and then go back to the outsourcing which was very difficult because you had so many jobs out there that you quoted in-house prices and now you had to go pay somebody else to do the work and mm. a lot of these you were just losing your shirt on. Yeah. So that, that when you say you built out, tell us about the second space, because that's a space. If anybody looked up your, um, your Instagram, that's what they're seeing, right? That, that, no, that's so now, that's now we have a space, space in Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's your third yeah. space. Yeah. Okay. So that second space, you build it out, you bring someone on that was in-house, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that didn't work because he was basically kind of walking all over you is what I understood. And so you had to let him go. Yes. And then from there, that sounds painful because now you're having to pay more to outsource it. Correct. Yeah. 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 Okay. That that's definitely, that's definitely a lesson right there. And then, so from there, what, you're, you're in this place where you're now paying more. What did you do from there 
um, are, are your, uh, is your margin back down or how did you, how did you handle that? Well, I, I, I think it's important to bring up how we got into that space is Justin and myself have just been super, super resourceful building the business. We at one point didn't have credit, didn't have the best credit. Um, so we've got all three spaces, one in Brooklyn, no co-signer, but how we ended up getting into this 4,000 square foot building was Justin was searching Craigslist for free and saw a beat up sofa, but he knew what it was and ended up selling it on eBay to a woman who was building a hotel in the Philippines for $6,000. And that, and it was a free sofa. So it was a come up of just six grand. And we ended up using that money to put down to get into the space. Nice. Hey, that, that right there is a great story. So you searched free on Craigslist, yeah. found a sofa that you knew the value of. Yeah. So it was a mid-century sofa. I saw it and I just caught it, you know, like within like two minutes of being posted, it just blew up the guy until they answered. It's like, I'll be there in two minutes. It was in New Haven, which is five minutes down the road. Okay. And then you took that, restored it. Did I I didn't restore it. I did nothing to it. I took a photo of it and put it on eBay. And I was oh. like, I got this for free. I'm going to put it for six grand and I'm not going to lower the price. And go okay. And then just so one you, you flipped it. it. You got it for free and flipped it basically. Yeah. Yep. And then that was what you used to get into the, the money that you used to get into the space. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and what, where are we at here? Are we in year two? Is this the year you did 350? So we're in year two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're in year two. Um, so what, what are some of the other challenges that you faced in, in increasing from, I mean, you guys increased $200,000 in one year. Um, what are some of the other challenges that you faced in, in growing from 150 to, to 350 or some strategies that you used? I, in gonna, yeah, I mean, we were, we we're fortunate in the sense that because the business grew so organically. Justin had a previous job and we, we just, we knew enough vendors that we were able to s disperse the workload. Um, our, our real problem came from doing it in-house and not understanding at that time how to manage an employee. Okay. When, when we went back to outsourcing, we were really able to manage it because that's kind of how we built the business in the beginning. Um, and just, we, we had a long list of vendors to spread the work out to. Okay. And, um, so tell us about the content that you're creating. I mean, this, this content is so cool. Let's, let's talk about what, why is that different in the industry that you're in? And just to kind of preface this there, there's something going on right now that, I mean, obviously at this point, most people have caught on, but their e-commerce and, and that story you just told is a perfect example, getting something for free turning around, selling it for $6,000. There's, there's kids that are literally making fortunes doing this all day, which is a huge part of why we wanted to highlight you guys and interview you. Um, but there's more to it. There's a little bit more to it. Um, and the look and feel that you're creating with your brand and your content. So tell us about that and, and what you're doing and what you plan to do in the industry. So, um, you know, with CT Modern, before we rebranded, we thought the content was pretty good, cool. But it, it was just, if, if you weren't into mid-century modern and in the industry, like, if you looked at it, you'd be like, this is not cool. Like, just like old furniture. Yep. So, you know, we had linked up with uh, 
D, Murthy, and mm-hmm. and we're showing him the Instagram, and he's just like, dude, like this is not hot, like this is not cool at all. And he's just like, oh shit. Yeah, so just decide like we really need to rebrand. Um, and I love branding and stuff, so went back home and was like, all right, let's get to it. Um, I ended up linking up with Tommy Wisdom and Jonah Miller, who are both skateboarders, trying to just keep all skateboarders connected in this and uh, brought them on to the team to help build the brand out. Just, that's where Fourth Right came about. Yeah, I mean, your your guys' content, it's like looking looking at what's going on, um, just the music you're putting to it, you're, you're definitely creating a cool look to it. Um, and can you, can you guys talk about some of the clients you've had? I, I know you've had some, some pro skateboarders as clients. Is that, is that correct? Um, I don't know if I you don't want to say it publicly. It's okay. If you don't, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, then, no, if you're not comfortable, don't say it. Um, Kevion has a sofa from us. Okay. That's a great one. Just because, you know, Kevion has his reputation for selling like multi-million dollar homes on the coast of California. And just to kind of give the audience an an idea, when you're furnishing a house like that, you want the coolest furniture. That's what what Eric and Justin are creating. Is this really cool high-end furniture. And I just wanted to illustrate that so that people see that there's definitely a niche there and there's definitely people willing to pay top dollar for what you're doing. And to me, that's where the content comes in. It's like you look at it and you're like, okay, this is a shop in Brooklyn that's super cool. And you just get the feel. It's like you look at the videos you guys are creating, there's a little more to it. So that that's kind of a perfect example there. Yeah. Some, some bigger clients that we had, I can't say his name, but he's an artist who sells paintings for over, $20 million at places like Tristie's and Sotheby's. Um, we did work for him, uh, Tommy Hilfiger store in Manhattan. Um, and then a lot of uh, first dibs is a marketplace for very high end furniture, jewelry, art. Um, and we do a work for a number of first dibs dealers down in Manhattan. Awesome. Okay, good. That, that kind of gives the people an idea. So find a niche, find something that people will pay a lot of money for. And a lot of times it's crazy in a lot of different ways. We see this just people are willing to give it away. You can either flip it, fix it up and sell it for a lot more, which is, it, which is kind of the, it seems like the foundation of how you guys have built the business. So now talk about where you're taking this thing. Um, or actually first let's talk about this year. So we're halfway through the year. You guys are on schedule to do about 600 K. Um, tell us what's going on with the business right now today what are the priorities what are you working on so we just launched forthright as the new brand in may so before that my ex-employer hit us with a lawsuit so we're dealing with paying that off and that was like our main focus yeah we got ct modern or where did that lawsuit come from six months ago we got sued for a hundred thousand dollars breaking a non-compete agreement. So the last six months was insane, just creating a brand. I mean, from building the website to all the copy to everything it takes to start a new business. And then while trying to put this lawsuit to rest, um, was quite a bit to handle. 
to tell us about that. That that to me that is a huge lesson. Non competes. I mean, th these things like the. T can you t talk to us about the non compete and getting sued? So, uh, when I was just selling out of my garage, someone came in to my garage and was like, "Oh, there's an awesome shop in Brooklyn that does my work." I looked him up. It was like millionaire entrepreneur lady that's running in. I was like, "Oh man, I need to go work there." Place is so cool. I was commuting from Connecticut to Brooklyn, working for her, and she just you know like knew she had a cool company and had the handbook for non with the non compete in it. Had me sign it. I ended up only working there for two months. She was shutting down the business when I quit. She knew that I had CT Modern when I started working there. That's why she hired me. She knew I could help her and help her sell her furniture. So when I left, the New York Times article came out. She texted me saying, you know, you're in clear violation of your non-compete. So let me stop you right there for a second. So when you signed this thing, was it one of those things where you just didn't really look it over? I mean, I've I've been given contracts and I've like literally sat there and stressed on should I sign this thing because I knew that they were gonna make sure it was in there. They weren't willing to do it without it. But what? How was it? Did you stress yeah. over it or did you just breeze no, over it and forget I, or I, not? I, I thought about getting my dream job. I did not care. I just fucking signed the dotted line. And, All right, when do I start? So yeah. And, and it's funny because that's a great lesson. A lot of times when you're in the position where you're like, this is going to be so great. Those things are really easy to overlook. But um, one thing I always say is make sure you have a lawyer. And this is just for the listeners. Make sure you have a lawyer look over anytime you sign a contract. It's expensive. Um, you know, you may have a family member or someone that can do it, but um, it can save a lot of pain down the line. And this is a perfect example. I'm sure that was not a fun, uh, fun lesson right there. Uh, no. she, she served it two years. So it was good for two years. And okay. the month served it in the 24th month. No way. Yeah, yeah. So let the business grow as much as it could. And then Justin and I were in the shop one day, just working. Somebody walked in, hit us with the papers. And then they served you. Isn't that fun? Yeah. yeah. Now yeah. I know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You like look at the person and yeah. like, uh, it's not your fault, but I don't like you. <laughs> um, okay. So that's definitely, that's definitely a lesson there. Um, is look over, have your, have your lawyer look over, be really careful with those non-competes. So, you, so, and that's a, an, that's even more kind of in depth. So basically she served it in the 24 month, but yeah. it was, retroactive for how long so uh from when he left the job it was good for two years oh from and it, it was from when you left it wasn't from initiation uh, of the contract it was from when you left from when you left okay okay so we we got that one so um keep going you yeah uh, so we dealt with that so that was kind of like the whole beginning of our year so we're dealing with that trying to build Fourth right out as a brand, working on all that. Jonah Miller did the logo and everything. He's a really sick designer, did design work for Puff, FTC, one of six day companies. Nice. So we worked with Ben Tommy Whitson on that. And now we're just working on just creating the content and we have our following in the industry and now we're trying to branch out to like skate culture. Would you say that your so your client base comes from Google? 
but there there's also a skate um community that's adapting to it would that be fair to say yeah skate fashion like people in the design world are like super into mid-century modern and you know we're just trying our clients are big you know like high-end people in new york city but the brand on you know social media and stuff is just for you know people doing their thing that's what we're trying to promote now the content that we're making and does the does the business stay in your local area um I well, or eventually is, is shipping profitable to restore something like a few states away is that profitable for you guys yes yeah, so we actually just because of level of quality that we offer and the difficulty of the furniture i mean we get pieces from just about yeah. all over the country california colorado texas yeah okay Florida. um so the shop is in brooklyn but if you have a chair that's worth 10 20 dollars and you find us online and you believe that you only have confidence for us to handle the piece it's an insurance. You'll spend seven, eight hundred dollars to make sure that your piece is handled by the right person. And then when okay. you go on our Instagram and see your piece getting restored, you know, in the way that we present it, it just yeah, that's it looks All right, awesome. So let's talk about where the business is headed. What what are the goals? Where do you guys want to take this thing? Um, I, it's super impressive to see. I mean, just to kind of like to kind of bring it back full circle to start from placing an ad and getting one chair for 2,500 and then to build it out into a business where you're on schedule to do 600 K that's pretty awesome. So wh where does it go from here? Obviously you're doing the branding. It's looking awesome. Um, the ads are there. So tell, tell us where it's going. We're going to add on retail. So we're going to start doing like buying and selling, restoring, you know, putting our touch on modern furniture. And just because that upholstery isn't a trade that is super hot, like you probably don't know anybody who's going into upholstery, that because it's a dying trade, we really are passionate about preserving the history of these pieces. I mean, these pieces are 40, 50, 60 years old from designers that are still sought after today. So what we're trying to accomplish is bringing people from Denmark who are the absolute best at what they do and having them train people here in the States so that we can carry on tradition and preserve history for other people. And then moving over to the retail side, building an inventory, we want to be essentially the mid-century marketplace for it. You want to get a high-end, well-done piece that you know is proper from the materials inside the chair from the person who worked on it you can trust forthright to find that piece okay and and what are what makes that you kind of just touched on it but what makes the pieces valuable the designer um what, run through what makes it valuable the designer no, it's, it's the designer it's the designer what it is just straight up the designer yep yeah you know like you cut out for a second yeah it's designer furniture so a lot of it's danish with what we deal in, but it's obviously super well made, but you are buying the piece because of the designer's yeah. name attached to it, like it is yep. with you know anything yeah. else. Yep. So it's similar to art, the it's the designer and that's what fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. 
All right, you guys. So is there anything else that we didn't touch on? I touched on all the questions that I have for you. Uh, we touched on some lessons for entrepreneurs, how you got started, how you grew the business. Um, did we touch on everything with the brand? The brand is looking super cool. Um, anything else that we didn't touch on before we wrap up here? No, I think that we really hit it all. Okay, awesome. So you guys, you guys came out to California previously. Um, they're, they're going to head back to California in the next few months and we're probably going to link up again in the near future. So stay tuned for that. Check them out at, uh, plug the UR, plug all your social media and the, the URL for your site real quick so people can check it out. Our site is forthrightnyc.com. Instagram is forthrightnyc. That's and it. that's it. All right. And check out that Instagram, you guys. Uh, it's what they're doing is really cool. And I just, I just love hearing these stories of people just tapping into the e-commerce market. Uh, I love hearing it from everybody. I especially love hearing it from skateboarders. So, and I know Eric, you're not a skateboarder, but you're, you're partnered with one. So it, it's great to see skateboarders do their thing and love what you guys are doing. Um, thanks for being with us and we'll wrap it there. Yeah. Thank thanks, you, brother. brother. All right. Thanks for being on, you guys. Later. Later.